Welcome everybody. Today we have Vicente Mansur. He is a graphic designer and a photographer and a good friend of mine. He's going to tell us a little bit about his life and how he went from a designer to a photographer starting sort of like a hobby and now he's selling professional pictures and, and he has grown a business from it. Welcome him and enjoy. Welcome, Vicente. Thank you for coming to Thrive today. Thanks for um, the invite. Yeah, man. Anytime. I haven't talked with you in a while. When was the last time we saw each other? I think like two years ago or something like that. Two years at ago. At Juanquis. At Juanquis. I think we went to, uh, to, to Sables. Like we had a, a few beers with you, with Juanqui, with Valeria, with maybe Juanqui's wife. Yes. Yeah, 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 and then we just Andrea. Got, yeah, with Andrea, and then we just got too drunk and just continued. We went to to Juanqui's house and just like drank. Yeah, I think you stayed, but I, I went home because I was already falling asleep. <laughs> because we also yeah we 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 drank a lot, and there's there there was also this party uh, from. Oh from yeah, yeah, that's right, brother. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember there was a little bit of dancing. Interesting night. Interesting. Yeah, it was, night. was really good. And then I never saw you again because you went to the beach or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. so, and then I came back to the US. Yeah, well, that, that was uh, 2018 or something like that. I think so. I think it was because 2018 I went to Ecuador. Can't remember if I went in 2019. I think I didn't. I think I, I can't remember if I did for New Year's to be honest, but but then COVID happened. Well, that was in March, so I don't remember. I think I may have not been there, and then in this year I'm not going either because uh, because of uh, I'm doing paperwork in order to like have my permanent residency here in the U.S. So I can't leave the country until that's over. But I'll be back. I'll be back next Christmas for sure. Oh, uh, so next year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry, you're um, staying in, in New York right now. Yeah, I'm in New York. I'm going to be staying here. This is going to be my headquarters from now on. I really like it here. It's, um, it's just fun. There's a ton. Of, even, even in the middle of the pandemic, there's a ton of stuff to do. And there's a, a lot of really cool, interesting people and a lot of activities. Yeah, man. This is where I want to be. And are you living by yourself? Yes, I live in my apartment here on my own. Okay. You should come. You should come visit. Yeah, I would like to maybe next year, but I don't know if this uh, the COVID thing is still going on. I don't know if I maybe could travel, and I don't know if yeah, I'm going to New York. I would like it to be like normal. Right, that makes sense. Yeah, not not like now. Yeah. I think, so vaccination in some places is starting already. Well, not already, but in maybe a week, I think. I think in, I think in New York, it's gonna start in December 15th, North Carolina around also like in the next week. But 
probably just going to start uh, with essential medical personnel. So like if you're an intensivist, if you work in the ICU or a doctor that sees COVID patients, those kind of people are going to be vaccinated first. Then the rest of the essential personnel, then probably the elderly and probably young people. So maybe if you plan to come, maybe plan to come in summer or fall next year. I think by then things should start in to be okay again. I hope. I mean, maybe by fall will be okay. And also, I don't know if I will be vaccinated here in Ecuador because we are like the last, last people to get vaccinated in the world. So maybe in March or in, the, or in April or something like that. Yeah, you'll get the expired vaccines for sure. <laughs> yeah, I got the generic version, like the discount version. <laughs> um, so thanks for joining, man. I, you know, I, re I always remember you when I take pictures of people or just even today, there was a, a hawk in my, in, in, there was a hawk that, that just was flying around, came to my, to a tree um, in front of my apartment. And I think it, the hawk, I, it caught prey. I think it was a bird. It was eating the bird right there. And, and I took a, a ton of pictures of it and I took videos of it. And then I used the technique that you taught me uh, years ago in terms of the quadrants, like how to do the nine quadrants. And oh, I, I, I don't remember about that. Yeah, we were in, uh, in Puerto Rico in the beach. And, yeah. and I remember you were taking pictures or something and I had just bought a camera or I was about to buy a camera. Yeah, I remember you bought a camera and you were experimenting with your camera and doing like tricks and effects or things like that. Yeah, and I asked you like, what, what can you teach me? And you taught me one thing. And that thing you taught me was like, okay, think of the nine quadrants of the camera. And if you are able to place the, the most interesting part of the picture in one of the, I guess, like, upper, like when they meet. Yeah, exactly. When they meet, then it, it'll be more aesthetic, aesthetically pleasing. And I've been doing that since, man. And I agree. It, it becomes more aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, that, that's like one of the basic uh, basic rules, and like you you find them you find that rule like in every picture, like in every big picture. So it's really cool that that you remember that. Yeah, man. Mm. And I know so it, your story is interesting because I know you didn't start as a photographer, but now you have become more and more famous in photography. I think I I remember I bought a picture. That you that you made of a Coca Cola and, yeah. and a ceviche. Yeah, you bought one of one of the the that, that, that picture of the Coca Cola and the it's like ahi. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, like chili. Say, mm -hmm. say, how how do you say ahi? Yeah, uh, Tabasco. Or something yeah, like something like that. Like a very criollo ahi. Yeah, very autochthonous Ecuadorian vibe picture. And, and I've been following your work and I see that it, your pictures are getting better and better. And now you're even doing displays and stuff. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it, it started like uh, maybe five years ago or something like that. And I didn't study it because I studied marketing and then branding 
more uh, more like graphic design mm -hmm. and I really like that the branding part or the marketing I was getting disappointed every year with with uh, with my job so what was your job? I I did like basic marketing stuff in like big companies and retail and also real estate and it was like every the same thing every day so yeah i was getting really bored and then photography started like uh yeah like like a hobby like uh like something fun uh, i i was doing uh outside my job so it it, it started growing like uh, very rapidly and now um like how what do you mean like how did it start growing very rapidly like how did that happen uh, uh the the first time i i started uh, making photographs was during a trip mm -hmm. so i i was obsessed with this uh andean la landscape like uh, night sky and landscapes yeah. and deserts yeah, so yeah. i was very obsessed with with this with this stuff and so i started like investigating what kind of camera should i should i get and how to use it and so when i i went to a trip uh, I, I i made a ton of pictures and they, they they were they weren't really good but like the feeling of traveling and documenting like the life and friends and people that was like uh, something i have never done before so it, it felt really nice and i started doing like here in guayaquil uh, more and more because i started discovering like other photographers or people or kind of photography that uh, was more interesting like uh, street photography for example so that started growing like if you some if you find something then then you start fi finding other authors and uh, photographers and like uh, genres so it's never ending so so right now like i'm really interested in like analogic photography because it's more like like a process so it's more fun and it's more uh how do you say uh, like digital is very quick and very um immediato but analogic photography is like more a process and a tangible process so it's you have more like options and experimentation and it's really fun so when you say anal uh, anal analogic photography do you mean the ones that you go to the dark room and you have to reveal and do that whole thing what what is like i guess what are the differences in terms of what you can do? Because I, can you do like extreme high resolution photography with analog instrument? I don't know, like what, what would be the differences? I think you can, but it's not, that's not the goal. 
the goal or, or the what you get is like a difference in textures and colors and feeling and like uh, the perception like of tangibility um yeah it's it's something that can't be produced with uh, digital i think okay and like i i was saying like uh, like the whole process of developing and then enlarging and printing like it makes it really uh, it makes it more fun yeah i remember when i was in high school uh, i took the photograph a photography elective and in the afternoons we used to go with her her koida to his like little red room where we would do the revealing of the things and it was a lot of fun it was like like a weird hobby but but it was kind of fun like manually putting the thing in the water and just being waiting in this little thing and then it would come up it was only black and white and the pictures were pretty bad the ones that i took i was like very young but it was a cool thing it was a very cool thing to do so i could see the appeal in doing the process and is this what do you do now is this your career now no, this this part of photography is like more than a hobby because nobody pays you for doing that. Oh. Like this, this, this is something that you do for fun inside photography. So I'm experimenting that uh, with that, like even more, more and more. Like this year, I I started like uh, practicing a lot in the dark room uh, with a few friends but it's something that you do for yourself because i don't think anybody will pay you for doing like work analogic work because it's more expensive uh, it takes a lot of time to do it and i don't think uh, people appreciate it like the, the way it should mm. and also you 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 can't produce like a lot of work uh, analogic analogicamente mm. because it just takes longer like just the, the process per picture just takes a longer time so you can't be mass producing yeah because uh, for example in a commercial work you would shoot like a, a thousand pictures mm -hmm. uh, and then the selection would be like 500 or uh, 300 so if you would like to do it in analogic in analog like it would take a lot of time and also a lot of resources and a lot of money and also it can be done here in ecuador because uh, labs don't exist here so it would be impossible i sometimes i i shoot uh, analog or film uh, but it's in commercial work, but it's usually for me. Mm. Like I get like 10 pictures of something that I would like to do, but uh, it's not for the, for the client. It's more for my portfolio or something like that. But yeah, the, it usually is for me. Uh, uh, nobody, I, aunque, uh, este, como se dice? Although, uh, although some clients have asked me before for an uh, analog work, uh, and it's cool because 
uh, you feel like they really appreciate like the whole process and the colors and what what gives you the analogic process and that's that's really hard to find and also very very cool to work with people that like that yeah you know i i agree like when once you regardless of what you're doing a cool thing about liking something that you do and doing a lot of it and getting good at it is that you end up meeting people that also like that thing that are yeah. also kind of good at it or want to be good at it and you have a lot in common and then you suddenly have a group of friends that are that are just interested in the things that you are interested in and that in itself it's this parallel reward for a hobby or a job or whatever yeah it's really amazing to find people that that are crazy and freaks about the things that you love too so you can talk about it like the whole day about uh, and every day about the like photography or analog processes and things like that uh, actually uh, right now i have like a group of friends we talk it we talk about it like every day and we are always like sending news and links and podcasts about photography i know that may i'm I maybe uh, I'm becoming a little bit annoying for other people that don't like it, but well, yeah, it's really nice to have friends who enjoy also your the things you love, things yeah. you like. For sure, man. I see what you're saying. I think that I have like my group of friends. So I'm very passionate about a few things, right? Like I'm really into meditation, really into yoga, extremely so. And then I find myself going into these like trainings or silent, well, in silence at retreats, I will not be talking with anybody, but like I'll go to the retreats, I'll go to the, the teacher training programs, like those kind of things. Suddenly you start making friends there and then you go deep into days long's worth of conversation and spirituality and meditation. Not a lot of people can digest that, nor, nor do they find it fun but it's kind of cool so i love doing that and and then i have like i'm very interested in psychedelic assisted psychotherapy psychedelic stuff in general then i have my other group of people like all these researchers that talk all day long about psychedelic research i talk it with them and then i have my friends that like running we talk about running and then i have my friends where, where, that, that i just crack jokes about whatever and, and then that becomes a little cool in the sense that I, like if I were to talk with them about meditation, they would say, get the fuck out of here, Christian. I do not yeah, care yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah. I, yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, that happens all the time. Usually with your friends uh, from school, mm -hmm. uh, you are friends because you know each other from, like, from school. Yeah. And maybe they don't share your, your interests or your your passions but you share our our stuff and you usually talk about anything you can talk about anything but the things you like <laughs> yeah, that, yeah that happens to me a lot it's funny and th and that happens also like the other way around right like i have a group of friends uh, right now and we are 
all very passionate about our own thing. And that thing that we have, it's not necessarily what the other person is passionate about. So there's one of them that is very passionate about fashion and, and restaurants and whatever. So I don't think I, I would be that interested in having like a, a days long worth conversation on restaurants. Like that is not a thing that I would be interested in. But I would for sure ask her for restaurant recommendations. There's this other person that she's like a really, really hardcore into communication and business. And that I'm kind of into, into uh, as well. So I will have some conversations with her about that. But also like not the whole day. So I see, I see your point. And, but that also helps in terms of exercising the muscle of just like cracking jokes and shit like that, you know, like just yeah. not being that serious, which I like, I like not being serious. I think that I had that problem when I was in, when I started med school, I started med school and I really got into medicine. I just like was talking about body parts all day long. And then I had, <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of intense. And then that's all I would talk about all day long. And then my high school friends were like, Christian, what the fuck? Stop. Like, I'm not interested in your bones and whatever. And, and then I internally made myself the rule that I would purposely make sure to not talk about medicine with people around me. And like that, except for doctors. And initially it was very hard to do very hard because that's all i did all day long but then over a period of years after that it became very easy and it was really good because i feel like i i trained the muscle of just talking about whatever that i would find interesting or funny in the moment or like or, or the muscle of like listening to others and stuff like that and maybe the podcast is an extension of it, like learning what the other person is interested in, which is, it. I don't know, I, I guess, yeah. Yeah, I think that you have always had that like ability to talk about anything, like all the time and cracking jokes. So it doesn't surprise me that, that, that you are doing this like podcast to talk with people and know about them and cracking jokes also. So, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a muscle, like you said, like uh, being able to, to talk about anything, to, to, to share uh, things and interested, uh, interests uh, between each other and just talk. And I don't, I don't think that I'm very good at it, like with people I don't know uh, so, so well. I have to have a, a gain confidence first to to open up. But I think that you you've always been like uh, very I, I don't know like you have always been a very talkative person. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember like uh, I I can't remember exactly where we when we met you and I because it's been a long time. I, like I must have seen you in high school, like in parties and stuff. And I think, I, but I think I didn't really, really know you until later. 
like after high school like like yeah. we must have gone to the beach one day and just yeah i think i i i i got to know you in puerto rico or something like that yeah because yeah. i used to i used to see you like in every party with your group of friends mm -hmm. but we we weren't friends uh, with you and also a lot of friends of mine and uh, they were really angry with you guys with because you were always uh, drinking all the booze and and then and then you escaped the party so i i think i i got to know you in in puerto rico in yeah drinking yeah. and playing and talking shit i think yeah and we used to play like we used to have like guitar and we play guitar the whole night And then it would, like we would have the bonfire and just hang out and have a few drinks and play liars dudo, it's liars dice yeah. in English. And you know Pablo, this uh, you know him. Uh, he came to New York like I think last year, and we had a dudo championship, and I think I won. I think I won, and he was very bitter about it. We 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 may have a rematch next. Yeah. Year. He yeah he doesn't like to lose and he's always making excuses like he's here right now and oh, he went he went he went to puerto rico last weekend with paco and juan and Juanqui, i think oh nice nice yeah and nice. yeah he's always been like that and also we played tennis like uh, uh, last week and he lost like three games or something like that and he was very bitter about it so yeah Can imagine. Dudo was a classic in Puerto Rico. And yeah, we, man. We, we and played every, every time. And then another thing that I think that made us closer was that you, you came to one of the psychedelic, uh, well, the shamanic ceremonies too. Like, yeah. What, what would you say was your experience with shamanism in, in your life? I really, I really like it, and I really like the way it makes me feel and the way it makes me think. And the 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 days after the the experience, like, uh, I feel like very light and very clear, and very happy. But the first time I went with you. I didn't, I didn't feel a lot of things and I also didn't see a lot of things. It was uh, because I, I think I drink too little because it was my first time. Mm -hmm. And the second time was I, I went alone by myself and it was an amazing experience because of everything I uh, saw and uh, felt and i i would like it i would like to do it more but i don't i don't know i don't have uh, that much information uh, here in ecuador and also uh, i was doing with i was doing it with this shaman and he's not here anymore mm. so i don't know i i don't i don't have and also i i went like two years ago or one one year ago to one ceremony but it was a disaster i i, I didn't didn't feel uh, didn't feel right so i don't know i think like the people there 
and their attitudes mm -hmm. and it makes me it, it make make made me uncomfortable so i was seeing things that didn't add up for for me mm -hmm. like for the experience and I don't know. I I I felt like I was something was wrong or something like that. And in in from for, from that moment, I couldn't like let go or concentrate. So gotcha. it's so important. I feel like um, I I I I mean it's been several years since the last time I went to a, a shamanic ceremony in Ecuador, but. Um, it, I, I used to be very, very hesitant and very selective. If I was going to do that, I was going to make sure that this was like a very strict shamanic ceremony, like, and the shaman was very spiritual and very committed to, to a teaching and, and, and to gain like a psychological gain, to make psychological gains in that thing. And I could imagine like this being this becoming like more profitable led business in Ecuador and in all South America, really, then who knows, like what kind of people are going to be offering these things, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's with the, it depends on the chemistry between you and the people running it. And I didn't feel that like the last time. And as you said, it's more like a business right now. And it's very hard to find people that do it with a, a, a good purpose, a, a clear purpose, and not only for making money. Like in Europe, it's very in demand, mm -hmm. and it's and it's marketed like a, like a product, and it's it's awful. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, maybe here in Ecuador too. The thing is, I don't have, as I said, I I don't have that much information right now about about the ceremonies or something like that so what what is your opinion on that uh, do you do you see do you see it in ecuador like uh, more and more like a business well i don't know i think that in i haven't been in ecuador like in a, for a while and and i haven't been following the model in ecuador like what what i do know is sort of is the laws and i know that it, in Ecuador, it is lawful as long as there's a, a shaman guiding the thing, right? Like, it, like you, it just can't be like anybody. It has to be like a prepared shaman. Uh, and I'm assuming there's a sort of way for you to become a certified shaman according to the government. Like, I don't know how that works, but maybe you have to prove some sort of a tradition teaching and, and in order for your like, enterprise to become legitimized. Otherwise, it's not legal, I don't think. And then that's all I know. So in, in terms of, in principle, it sounds about right because it sounds like it's respecting the indigenous tradition, but it may not be. Uh, it, and, and I don't know. I just haven't followed it, uh, it over there. Over here in the US, what I am following is the research. And, and, I, and what I think about it is that I, I think and hope that the, find, so that the findings so far, psychedelics are, uh, psychedelic assisted psychotherapy is being researched for several conditions, including major depression, including um, existential distress in cancer patients, 
substance abuse, cluster headaches, a bunch of stuff. And I think that it's very promising. Ultimately, I don't think there's enough evidence to, to say this is definitely going to be helpful, but it seems like it will be. And I think that I will know in the next three to five years. And if it becomes really as good as it's promising to be, it'll be groundbreaking in psychiatry at the very least for the treatment of depression and maybe existential distress, death, anxiety maybe even. And, and that's exciting because I think that we do need better. I mean, we do have tools to treat mental uh, distress, but I think we would benefit from having better tools that work faster and, just, and, and the, the, the outcomes of the interventions last for longer. I think that if we had more of that, that'd be, that can only be a good thing. And, and I think it's possible. I, and it seems like it's promising. So I'm very excited about it. And it is a matter of just waiting and seeing. But maybe one day, not too long from now, we'll be in a place where you will go to your doctor and he'll prescribe you psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy. And then you'll go in the couch and then you'll put some earphones and some blindfolds. And, and be before that, you do some, a little bit of therapy and then they'll train you to go through this experience. And then you overcome the issue that you're struggling with in one night instead of like a few months of psychotherapy. Of course, there's some work that you're gonna have to do after, but the realization of what you need to do and the determination to make it happen, you may find in one night. So that is exciting. Yeah, I, I think uh, uh, results are way faster and if you have experienced it uh, before, you know that it's very deep and very meaningful what you feel and what you think after just one session or one yeah, ceremony. And uh, I've been like uh, reading about it uh, a lot in the news and also from you. And I think it will happen. Uh, there is still this, this taboo with, with, with uh, psychedelics and drugs, but I think uh, with time, it's, uh, time is proving uh, the other way around. Like it, would, it will work to, to help people with this uh, mental distress. Yeah, I think that uh, this book, have you read that book called How to Change Your Mind from Michael, oh. Michael, Michael Pollan? I think he was a big deal in the changing of the mentality of people about psychedelics. I think there was this really extreme taboo about them. And then he wrote this book, became a uh, New York Times bestseller. And, I, I, and a lot of people started reading it. And, and suddenly people thought, oh, this is promising. So the documentaries about it started to come on. There's a couple of documentaries about it on Netflix. One of them, I think it's called uh, uh, the mind explained, and then there's a sub. There's yeah. an episode. Have you seen that one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I saw that. And then there's another one. Um, oh, there's two more. There's another one. Um, there's this company 
by Gwyneth Paltrow. Do you do you know the name? The the Goop or something Goop. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she has this company called Goop, and that's she has a series on Netflix called Goop too. And there's an episode on psychedelics about it, and it's a good one. And there's also a, a documentary that I can't. Uh, I think the name is Have a Good Trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you seen it? I I don't. I'm not sure. It's. I saw one with celebrities. And yes, that's they, the one. They were taking. Yeah, they were talking about their experiences with psychedelics. Yeah, that's the one. So I think there's there's a there's a lot of movement in terms of changing the mentality about it. And I'm seeing some, some of it, even in the medical system, right? In the hospital that I'm working, we're trying to see if we can start some of this research. And one of the things that you have to do if you wanna start a research is that you, it needs to be uh, approved by the research scientific board. And so that means that there's a, there's a bunch of scientists uh, reading your proposal and saying, yeah, this is okay, or, or no, this is not okay. And then before we submitted our, we haven't submitted it yet, but before we submitted it, we asked, hey, like, do you, what do you guys think about psychedelics and, and, and the research that is happening around? And they are, they, and we were, the reason we asked is because we thought maybe they'll feel very concerned about it. No, this is like bad, you know? And they were like, no, it looks very promising and, and it looks very exciting. I, I, we wish it would, some of this research would begin here. So it's, it is exciting. I think that people's minds are changing and it may be so that it's changing faster in the developed world than in the developing world. It may be, that may be the case too. How long do you think it will take to, to make uh, like a breakthrough or having the, the first uh, therapy approved with psychedelic? Yeah. Well, so specifically, so you have the classic psychedelics and then you have some substances that are psychedelic-like. Substances that are psychedelic-like include MDMA, that is more of a dissociative or some people call it like an entactogen, which is, uh, it's more related to your tactful sensations and your emotions. Mm -hmm. And... And then ketamine is a dissociative medication. And ketamine is already FDA approved for the treatment of depression because it's been shown that it immediately reduces your, your depression significantly after one dose. And But you have to take it like... Uh... Yes, that's a problem with ketamine. It only lasts for a couple of weeks. Ketamine is an addictive substance. It and is. it is addictive. It lasts for a couple of weeks. So then you do run into that problem like, okay, well, this is an addictive thing and I have to give it to you like every couple of weeks. But then that sounds a little bit problematic. So yeah. it hasn't been widely adopted in the whole country here in the US, but there's a lot of clinics where people are prescribing it and people are taking it because it's shown to help. But it also potentially could cause problems. Now, another one is MDMA, which is uh, uh, MDMA it ha, it has its main component. It, 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 you may know it as ecstasy, right? Like ecstasy, mm -hmm. it's not exactly the same, but it's it, the, the primary component of ecstasy would be MDMA. And, and then MDMA, it's been researched 
right now for the treatment of PTSD. And it would be MDMA-assisted psychotherapy. So you take the MDMA and then you do a session of therapy. And that already has passed phase one, phase two FDA uh, uh, trials. And now they're in the middle of phase three trials. Phase three is the final phase of researching a substance. And, and the, what a phase three study is, is that it, it, it's, it's treating subjects with PTSD, but a lot of subjects so, uh, so that you make sure that it's enough population that you're, that you're not running into this situation where you give something somebody and they get better, but it's just chance, it's just luck. You're giving it to, to, to enough people that you're sure that the results are not related to chance. And, and if that becomes, it, when the study ends, if the findings show that this is really good for the treatment of PTSD, I think it's gonna become FDA approved. And that is gonna happen probably maybe by the end of 2021 or at some point in 2022. So this is not too far away. I think psilocybin would be the next substance and, and that is the main component of magic mushrooms. Yeah, and I would think that magic mushrooms were coming first than MDMA. I think MDMA will come first just because of the way the trials are, are undergoing. There already are phase three trials undergoing right now. Uh, psilocybin, there are not any phase three trials undergoing. But there was a phase two trial that was just published, um, I think four weeks ago, not too long ago, uh, which was psilocybin for the treatment of, uh, psilocybin assisted psychotherapy for the treatment of major depressive disorder. And that study was very promising. They gave it, I think, to around 20, 20 something people. And most of them, their depression got significantly better in, in the setting of doing this therapy with mushrooms. Well, it wasn't mushroom, it's a main component in the capsule. Mm -hmm. And their depression got significantly better and it remained better for eight weeks after. Now, that's not to say that after eight weeks it got worse, it's just that after eight weeks they stopped measuring how you were doing. Okay. But at but, least two months. But then after eight weeks they have to take it. Uh, well, not necessarily yeah. because because the trial only followed them for up to eight weeks. So mm -hmm. the trial was done after. They came back to their usual life after that. And that doesn't mean that maybe it could last longer, you know? There's another study for the, uh, that was like a, a follow-up study of another phase two psilocybin trial for the cancer related existential distress. So there's a lot of cancer, people with cancer that are anxious and depressed because, they're, because death related issues, illness related mm -hmm. issues. They got psilocybin and they got also better. And then there was, a, and I think they followed them for a few weeks too. But then there was another study that followed them six months later. Some of these people got, were, died from cancer some of them remitted from cancer, so they were cancer-free, but there were some that weren't cancer-free, but they, they, they felt better even six months after that one dose. So 
that's promising. The, it's kind of hard to tell because it, it was just like 20-ish people, the initial study, and then some of them died. Some of them, their cancer got better. So you maybe feel better because the cancer yeah. gone, right? So yeah, that's kind of difficult to tell whether it was because of the psilocybin. But there is a minimal amount of population that were still with cancer that were feeling better. And that is interesting. I don't think it's enough, to, enough evidence to say, yes, psilocybin did this. But it is, per, it is interesting enough that I think further studies should study the potential benefit in the long term of using these medications. Yeah, I think it's, it's getting like more accepted and open and more and more people talk about it. And also people from older generations are accepting it. Uh, and it, I, I think it will it only get better with time. So maybe for uh, in the future generations, it will be like a normal thing to treat people with, with, with psychedelics. I think so, man. I think so. What, okay, but coming back to you. So you're doing analog photography as a hobby, but you're also doing this thing uh, as, as a business. Like uh, when you do it as a business, like what do you do? Yeah, uh, I, um, yeah, I work in like a, as a photographer and also as a graphic designer. I do them both and I take like graphic design projects like um, logo designing or branding or packaging and I really like it because it's like also drawing, drawing which I like too and I like uh, yeah looking for new tendencies and, and fonts and uh, also other designers and I like uh, seeing for, like for me it's like a form of art I don't I don't I don't think I'm really a pro at, at it but I really enjoy uh, the work and you're definitely a pro I have seen the pictures man I have seen yeah them. no no I, I don't think so but I, I, I think um, I'm still learning and also, like I was talking about uh, graphic design, I also admire like the craft of designing, and I, I really enjoy it. And with photography, uh, it started like like I said as a hobby, and then uh, I couldn't get jobs in my career uh, in marketing. I was getting these interviews, and nothing was happening, and then. A friend of mine uh, talked about me about these these jobs, photography jobs. So I started taking them, and it slowly uh, began to to become my my main income, my main work. Wow. So I started like building portfolio and getting more jobs, and also with my personal work. Uh, it started like uh, gaining attention from from uh, photography outlets around uh, other countries, and so it's like right now photography is like a big community, so uh, everything is connected, yeah. and that's one of the most the, the thing that I most uh, like about it, because 
like a community you 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 feel connected with everyone and yeah you can participate in photography contests and photography uh say call outs call outs sí como se llama convocatorias okay uh convocations yeah i think so i, I think it's called like uh, yeah com let's say it contests okay so so yeah it, it started like uh, growing and growing uh, and for me it's really fun to do it so that's basically the the main reason i do it because it it, it entertains me and for me it's not like a job uh, sometimes when i do commercial work i hate it because i'm not enjoying it because i'm i'm doing some i'm doing it for uh, i'm doing it for other people and that's not the the thing i would like to shoot mm. but mostly when i doing things for myself i really enjoy it like the moment to go out and doing it and driving and shooting whatever uh, whatever uh, like uh, whatever you like and also one of the main things i like to shoot is the street okay. so it 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 makes you go out and like walk around and look for things it's like a game so for me that's like the most precious time like for me Mm. Uh, uh, because I'm usually, usually by myself and I can disconnect from everything so it's, it's really nice to do it uh, and I do it a lot of, I used to do it a lot uh, here in Guayaquil but here is a little bit difficult because of the could be dangerous but every time you go out you find something like really crazy, really bizarre, really, really uh, comical, hilarious. So that's what I like about here, because you wouldn't find the things you find here in other country. I think. I think you're a hundred percent right. You know, I really believe that living in South America is kind of like living magic realism. You, like, I remember one time where I was driving my car, it overheated. I stopped in the middle of, of this, like a, a gas station. And it started, and, and I opened the, the, the trunk, I guess, like uh, the thing in the front of the car, the, I opened the water valve, a lot of gas started coming up. And then there was this guy that just walked by and he just came and looked at it. And he's like, hey man, Looks like your car is <laughs> overheating. And I'm like, yeah, that, that's exactly what's happening. And then another guy just walks by too and he says, yeah, hey, your car is overheating, dude. Like, what's going on? I'm like, yeah, I guess that there's a leak of water somewhere. And so it's like draining or leaking. And then the first guy says, listen, this is what you should do. You should put an egg on it. You should like put an egg on it and then it'll be fine. And then the <laughs> other... The other guy says, like, what the fuck are you talking about? How, how are you going to put an egg in the middle of the, I guess, the radiator it is? Yeah. That, that makes no sense. Like, you know, 
and then he tells me, don't listen to this guy. You need a mechanic, not a chef. And then the guy, the other guy says, hey, but I'm a mechanic, by the way. And, <laughs> and then the other one says, yeah, whatever. And they just started arguing for a while. And then I just put some water and left and they just were arguing. Yeah, I love, I love it about here that the, everyone has these urban myths and these, how do you say, creencias. Yeah, beliefs. Yeah, beliefs, popular beliefs and tales. Uh, and they are really, really fun and really bizarre to, to hear. And also these, uh, I don't know what, how, how to say it in English, but I'm really fascinated about the Cuentos uh, Montuvios. Mm. Like there are a lot of characters and people. And also I, I think the main character is the devil always. The devil is present every time, hmm. and you have to do a, a series of rituals not to meet him. And if you meet him, uh, you have to do another uh, series of rituals. And I, I really it fascinates me a lot to hmm. to hear about these these tales. Also, this this goblin El Tintin in Manaví right. right. that is really small and kidnaps women. So I don't know uh, where all this come from, but I, I I liked it. I love it. It's it's weird. Yeah, I remember that one. Like the Tintin, he's a goblin that is a very tiny goblin that that has a huge dick, and he <laughs> kidnaps women and has sex with them, and then yeah. and then everybody like. Do, like people believe in that, I guess. Like, do, do they though? I don't know. It's kind of yeah. weird. There is a lot of people that think that that guy exists, and uh, they are really sure they they they've seen it, and they talk they talk about him with they talk about him with with great great fear. So you don't you don't you you don't supposed to mock him oh. so one one guy was telling my t telling me about him and i was i started laughing and he said like no you, you please don't mock him he will come <laughs> if you start if you start laughing right now so i don't know it's, oh, it's crazy <laughs> all right well i think it I already laughed, so I hope he doesn't come tonight. Um. <laughs> yeah, uh, one thing that you can do to to avoid him is like don't take a shower because uh, <laughs> the 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 El Tintin hates like dirt, uh. and he, he he hates dirty women, and the there was this this thing that. Uh, women used to pee on themselves just to espantar uh, el tintin to make him like go away yeah to make him go away because he he only likes uh, clean people oh my god <laughs> well now I'm, now I'm a little bit scared um, uh, anyway so and I'm about to go take a shower because I ran so you, you put me in kind of a pickle because I don't know whether I should shower or not anymore. 
Yeah, um, but I think he won't he won't come because he only lives in Manavi. Oh, okay. So that's oh, that's nice. So you you'll be fine. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you for coming today. This was fun. Yeah, uh, this this was like a first for me doing yeah. like a podcast uh-huh. and talking about stuff. Yes. So also in English for me it's a little bit difficult because I I don't practice a lot English. But I think you spoke it very well. I I, 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 I think I, I think it has to to I don't know como se dice. Yeah. I oh, have to start start practicing it and then it will come slowly yeah. fluently. I, I think it was fine, man. Hey, it was a pleasure. And thank you for coming today. And also, I'll see you next year, man. And if you come to Ecuador, let me know. I mean, if you come to New York, let me know. Yeah, uh, I'm happy to see you. We miss you a lot. Of uh, we miss you a lot uh, here, yeah. uh, and Likewise. we hope we hope to see you soon. Uh, I was hoping to see you this year, yeah. but but then I guess next year. You'll be coming, and I will. I would love to go to New York to visit you and hang out, and yeah, to you to show me around. Yeah, I'd love to do that. So thanks for the invitation, and I hope you had fun. Yeah, I did. I hope you did too, man. Yeah. Me too.